0: Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Yeah, I want to ask you a question. Uh, what, what's on the horizon? What's on, what do you see on the horizon? You hear about the news, things are going on in the world, things are going on in our nation, what about this year? What do you see happening? Look at technology, what's going on there? Inventions, the things that are just amazing be beyond what we can comprehend in the, the fast pace of society. I mean, what do you see happening? What do you see happening in America? What do you see happening in the election coming up? What do you see happening in your own life, in your family? What do you see? There's all kinds of predictions. About what we'll see in the next few months or years. And some of them may come to pass and some of them may not. But there's one thing we know for sure and that is there will be changes. Something's going to happen in the next few days, months, years. Uh, what do you see? It, it's always this time of year we think about it. It's a new season. It's a new beginning. We've got new opportunities, new victories. But regardless of what's going to happen, there's going to be some things that will change. What do you see? You know, if you go uh, to have an eye exam, and you go into the, the office there, you may step at the office and you may see something like this. And how many can read the bottom line up here? Right. Well, this doesn't count. This is bigger than what... <laughs> But if you you look at this on the wall, it's it's, it's supposed to be positioned 20 feet from where you are. And so when you're standing 20, 20 feet from this, then you go down and say, well, what do you see on the first line, second line, third line, fourth line? And you come down to a particular place here, and actually it's the third one from the bottom is considered 20-20 vision, the DEF. P-O-T-E-C. Is that what it says, guys? (laughs) (laughs) And that's 20-20 vision. Now, if you come on down to the bottom line, you're 20 feet from it, and it's a normal size chart on there, then you actually have better than what we call perfect or normal vision. You have 20-10 vision. You can see from 20 feet what most people have to get up just 10 feet away to see. But when we look at this chart, this examination, how clearly can you see? What do you see? Do you really have... 2020 vision. Now, uh, how many of you know that you can actually be in a situation where you can't see what's in, just what's in front of you? And worse than that, you go around looking for your glasses and you're wearing them. Or you're looking for your phone, it's in your hand. Uh, You know, what do you see? What do you see? Uh, Sometimes what you see depends on your perspective. What what do you see when you look at certain things? One person will see something another person will see something else. Uh, For instance, some of you may look at this sketch. I think there is a sketch coming up here. And you will look here and some of you will see what is on this side. (laughs) But if you turn it upside down your perspective totally changes and it is what is on this side. So it is a little analogy they call from a hag to a prince. And sometimes your perception has a lot to do with how you really see things. It's important as a Christian to learn how to perceive according to the Spirit, perceive according to the Word of God. I remember a story of three uh, older ladies who were at a restaurant. And they got there and they picked up their menu. And as it did, each one of them put, their, put on their glasses. The first one says, Oh, I only need them to read. And the second one says... Well, I only need them when the light is poor. And the third one says, I only need them when I want to see. And we don't know how <laughs> honest they are. What do you see? What about your vision? One of the most frequent surgeries performed has to do with eye surgery, uh, cataracts, laser surgery, because we, we see the value of good eyesight. When we talk about 2020, we talk about that, that hindsight is 2020. Oftentimes when you look back, and you see what's happened or what you experience, you say, Oh, now I understand. I didn't understand at the time, but looking back, I've got 2020 vision. I can see it the way it really was. But oftentimes that's not the case when it's looking to the future. Do we really have 2020 vision? Now, just as physical eyesight is extremely valuable and important, even more so is spiritual eyesight, is to be able to see from the heart to be able to see with your spirit. Spiritual blindness is a terrible thing. Jesus spoke out in Matthew 13, 13 when he said, you know, these people see, but they don't really see. And that's true of a lot of people. They have physical eyes and they may hear certain things, but it really they really don't hear it down on the inside. It was William Shakespeare that said, eyes are the window of the soul. In other words, the belief if you look into someone's eyes, you could kind of know what's going on in their life, tell a lot about them. But the scripture puts it this way, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 through 23. Here's what the Bible says, follow along. It says, your eyes, your eye is like a lamp. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And the light you think you have is actually darkness. How deep or terrible that darkness is. That, that spiritual light, that uh, revelation, that sensitivity to what the Lord is showing us, to hear from Him spiritually, it lights up our life. To hear truth, to follow what He's speaking to us, that's light. He speaks into our heart. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. He, he says, I pray. And he's, speaking, he's praying over these believers, Christians here the church at Ephesus. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart or it's stated in other versions, the eyes of your understanding will be open. The eyes of your heart. What does it mean by the eyes of your heart? It's talking about the the inner sight that you have, what you see from within. It says, may the eyes of your heart be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, the Amplified Bible says. He says, so that you can understand what the hope of your calling is, what the hope of his calling, and what are the riches and glory of his inheritance in the saints. When the term eyes of your understanding is used, it basically is saying, I hope that you will have awareness and insight and be able to see what God has already done for you. That's important. He says, I want you to understand. I want you to see what God has already done for you, what he's already provided. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Interesting Scripture says, therefore, as the writer of Hebrews says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We've talked about this before but what does it mean by a cloud of witnesses? Some people think that it's referring to the fact that there, that there are those in Heaven that can actually observe or see what's going on in the lives of people here on earth. <clears throat> I'm not saying that isn't sometimes the case, I'm just saying that I don't believe that's what this Scripture is referring to. When it talks about the cloud of witnesses, it's referring back to the previous chapter, which is chapter 11, which is the, uh, which is the great hall of fame of, of faith people. It's people of great faith. And it goes back and tells this all the people of great faith that we have in the Old Testament. And so you come through. You know, it's a letter. Remember, this is a letter. So you're reading this letter to the church, and he describes all these people who have this great faith. And then he, remember, there's no chapter divisions that came later. And so he talked about all these wonderful examples of faith. And then he moves right on and says, So, since we're surrounded by all of these wonderful examples and testimonies of faith, we're surrounded by the example and the influence of these people that were people of faith before. He says, Since we have this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And I think. Um, You know, you may define what that means as far as a sin that besets you or causes you to be ensnared. And he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at verse two, looking unto Jesus. You run the race set before you with your eyes fixed, looking unto Jesus, fixing your faith on Jesus, keeping your eyes on Jesus, which literally means here when you read from the the, In the essence of the Greek here it's saying when you fix your eyes or focus or look or gaze on Jesus that that is speaking the fact that you have already turned your eyes away from distractions and the past and everything else. So, it's basically like look unto Jesus, fix your eyes on Him. And he says, look to Him who is the author and finisher, the completer of your faith, the pioneer and champion who initiates our faith. And he does. He says, because of the joy before him, talking about Jesus awaiting him, he was willing to endure the cross, disregarding its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of God in a place of honor and authority. And the joy set before him was uh, was the was, as you as you and me. The joy set before him is what the the death on the cross meant. What it would provide, the inheritance. His inheritance, which is you and me, that when we're born again, it's his child. So let me point out just, I think about four things here, four or five things. Let me point out what it means if we're going to today focus on the fact of, I want to see clearly, or what do you see? Let's think about 2020, New Year, looking forward, ask you the question, what do you see? What are you fixing your eyes on? First of all, fix your eyes on this focus on how big your god is not how big your problems are focus when you, when you are approaching life or when you are are approaching this new year and when you are uh, are uh, each day beginning each day uh, when you are in in places of, of difficulty when you're facing obstacles, when things are coming against you, don't be taken down by this and don't be discouraged by it. It Says, In other words, why don't you focus on the fact that you have a great God and he's always bigger than whatever problem you may have. Let's fix your eyes on that. Don't fix your eyes on the problem, what's going on. Fix your eyes on him. Isaiah wrote in 42, chapter 42, verse 5. He says, God, the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. That's the greatness of God. I mean, there is no greater. There's no greater power. There is no greater. He's big enough. He is big enough for whatever you face. So focus on that. Apply it in your life. Rather than your thoughts going to to weakness and rather than your thoughts going to failure, put your thoughts on Him who's always more than enough. Jeremiah 32, 27, he says, I am the Lord God. Is anything too difficult or hard for me? Understood answer. No, absolutely not. New Testament put it this way in Matthew chapter 8, 19, verse 26 says, all things are possible with God. The scripture says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Focus on the greatness of God, the power of God that's at work in you. That's in you. Don't focus on the things the enemy brings against you. Don't focus on the things that people try to throw your way. Don't focus on, on failures. Don't focus on any of this negative side. Focus on the power and the might and the faithfulness and the love and the grace and, the, and God's goodness. Focus on that. You'll see clearly that. Secondly, you fix your eyes, focus on God's provision, not your lack. Focus on what you have, not on what you do not have. Focus on God's provision, not your lack. Philippians 419, Scripture says, and God, five Bible says, and God will liberally, I like the word liberally. Politically, I don't care for the word liberal, but in this sense, I like the word liberally, and my God will liberally supply or fill until full your every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I mean that's Abundance, folks. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you have in him. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. This is an interesting verse. I want to kind of put it into this place and 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 let us discover some things from it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. The scripture says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Um, that's usually the verse that's used in funerals. And I'm not saying it's a bad, I'm not saying it can't be used then. I've probably used it there before in, in funerals in the past. I don't use it there anymore because I think it has greater significance than talking about heaven. I believe in heaven. Thank God for heaven. But this, I don't think this is what this verse is talking about. Listen to what it says. And make sure you go on to the next verse from what I read. Verse 9. I has not seen. We're talking about what do you see. Asking the question, what do you see? I has not seen, nor heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's you, that's me, right? But God. That can turn everything around. The next word when you just put two words but God and it can turn everything around and says, you know, this is not this is not something that that man has been able to see in the flesh or physically or in on the natural mind. But God has revealed them, has, past tense. This is saying that it's not going to be revealed when you get to heaven. He says he's already ve- revealed, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For this spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The message Bible puts it this way, a message paraphrase it says, but you have seen and heard it eyes not seen, ears not heard, but you have seen and heard it because God by His Spirit has brought it all into the open, in the open so that you can see it. So when we we look at God's provision, we're saying that that it's there already. It's not just the provision of of heaven. It's not just the, the sweet by and by. It's not just a mansion in heaven. And thank God for all of that. I believe all of that. But he's saying, look, you can focus on the fact that this is God's kingdom can be lived out in this life. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God's principles, the principles of his word, the principle of kingdom works in this life now. You can walk expecting him to meet your needs now. You can exercise faith and expect him to answer your prayers now. You can walk in abundance and not lack or need (laughs) now because he is the God who gives to us liberally. Yes? yes. So don't focus on, don't focus on 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 the needs that you have, or always think about what's missing. Focus on God's provision. Thirdly, fix your eyes on or focus on God's favor, not on you, not primarily on your own ability. Focus on God's favor and the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, not on your own work and ability. Now I think God, as believers, I think God wants us. We have, there's always our part, right? I mean, he calls us to, to do something. He, 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 he works in our lives. And then our response, we call it obedience. He has some things for us to do. And he gives us certain abilities, correct? I mean, and he wants us to use those abilities. You were, many of you were born with certain abilities. That you have certain God-given abilities, and you see them in your life, maybe in your career, whatever. He's given you certain abilities in your life and that's wonderful and they are to be used for His glory. But so often, even as Christians, when we are living, when we are, uh, are, when we are wanting to obey Him and follow Him, when we have a vision for something that we want to see come to pass, when we feel like He's calling us to something or when we see something we want to do, we, we, we find ourselves depending upon our own ability and, and our own strength and, and trying to work out the details of how can I make this happen. There's a danger when we, we see something God wants us to do or we see some possibility out there and we, we want to move in that direction. We have a vision for that. And yet we begin to institute our own, all of our own Activities. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make that happen. Yes, you and I have our part, but God, but but we need the favor of God. We need His favor. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to make it come to pass. This is not just a work of the flesh. Zechariah chapter four verse six. The Bible says, "Not by my own power, not by might nor by power, but my, by my Spirit," says the Lord. Instead of focusing so much on on on. On exercising and using all of your abilities and figuring out how you're going to do it, yeah, be obedient and do what you're supposed to do. But first of all, look to God for His favor and for the supernatural work of His Spirit in your life because He can bring things past and you can work and work and work and work and work and never see it happen. But you trust Him and His favor and the power of His Holy Spirit, and then you obey Him in doing what you're called to do, and then it'll come to pass. It'll happen. There's more there than meets the eye. And we get involved in trying to fight our own battles and do our own thing rather than trusting Him, His favor, and the power of His Holy Spirit. Interesting story that, I, that may not apply so directly to this but I think it's an account that will help us understand that it's, it's not by our own might or by our strength but it's learning to trust and abide in Him and let His Holy Spirit work supernaturally in our lives. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15-16 through 16 is uh, the account of Elisha the prophet. You're familiar with it, but, but let, me, let me read a few, couple of verses here. It says, When the servant of the man of God, referring to Elijah, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do? The young man cried to Elijah. I don't think that's exactly how he said that? <laughs> oh, sir, what will we do? I think he was, as we say down the side, I think he was scared. I think he was, he was, he didn't know what, what, what are we going to do? And Elisha said, "Don't be afraid. They're more on our side than on theirs." I have to put myself in the place of that servant, that young man here in the place and say, and I've been following him and I knew he might be a little bit strange, but now he's in denial. I've just been outside. I've seen it. I know what I saw. I know what I saw. Elijah says, "Hey, we've got more on our side than that." (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, (laughs) then, then Elijah prayed. You know, I know some people believe this is fantasy and make believe. We even have people in places of leadership in the country and places that, that in media that thinks that all these are fairy tales. No, this is true. But this is absolutely true. This actually did happen. It did happen. Elijah prayed and said, "Oh Lord." He's praying for this young man. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And boy, when I hear that prayer, I'm just saying, Lord, I want to pray that for me. And I want to pray that for those that are in my life. I want to say, Lord, open my eyes that I can really see. And, and open their eyes that they can really see. Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the entire hillside was filled with horses and chariots of fire. These were, these were armies of heaven, if you will. And as Assyrians or, uh, or uh, Arameans were, as they were advancing toward Elijah and, and coming against him, then actually the people were stricken with blindness. They can no longer see. The man of God saw, they can no longer see. Uh, Elijah, in fact, he says, they were stricken with blindness according to the word of Elijah. You know, words are powerful. And he prayed for this young man. And when he prayed, he said, God that he may see, really see what's there. And of course, the, it was open from our physical dimension there to where he saw in the spirit world. Spirit, you know, the spiritual dimension is real, right? Spiritual dimension is real. Angels are here today, real. You can't see them. A lot of things that are going on in your life, you can't see it's, a, it's, a, it's another dimension. You can't see, but I think we can visit it, or I think we have glimpses of it, or I think that God sometimes can open our eyes to really see it, and that's what happened here, and the man saw, this young man saw this, and as the army began to come against him, Elijah spoke a word, and he says, Is it come? He says strike them blind. Now, I know it doesn't seem very nice, <laughs> but this was the enemy coming against the man of God. And we could even say this is the very power of Satan, evil itself coming against him. And, and the Lord, in a sense, fought the battle here. An amazing, amazing account. But what happened was something dramatic happened in this young man's life to where he was able to see from within. He was able to see into the spiritual realm. As Christians, we need to have that spiritual Insight—that ability to see what God's really doing—we may not see all these visions, and we may not see angels. You may, but but what you what you see is you say, "This is the truth. I see what's around me. I see the circumstances. I see what's going on." But when I look into the Word and when I see what God says, this is what the this is what's real. This is true. This is what I see, but this is what I really see, because this is what the Word says. Focus on God's favor, the power of His Holy Spirit at work in you—not just your own works, your ability. Because there's greater armies out there sometimes fighting for you that you don't see. And his power is at work in situations that you don't necessarily see. But ask God to give you the ability to see that. Lord, I'm going to focus on you. Fourthly, fix your eyes or focus on God's plans, not yours. It's okay to have plans, right? Those who fail to plan or planning to fail, you know, it's it's good to make plans. The, the, The point is here is don't make plans without consulting him. Let him be the one that determines what you're going to do. Look to him for his guidance. This is, Lord, what are your plans for me? What are your plans for, uh, my marriage? What are your plans for my children, my family? What are your plans, Lord, as far as the future? What, what are your plans? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Uh, sometimes people are so busy trying to work out their own plans, and it's good to be a hard worker, and, it's, and God wants us to have a good work ethic, and, and He gives us the ability to really make wise plans. There's nothing wrong with that. But our primary dependency is not upon just our figuring out our own plans, but saying, "Lord, I want to know Your plan, and I will align my plans with You and with Your will." The Bible warns about the danger of man getting wrapped up in his own plans, ignoring God. So, focus on God's plan, not yours. And I, you know, we all love the Scripture, and it's used, I think, quite often today. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. Living Translation says, "For I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord. "I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord. "They are plans for good and not for disaster or harm, to give you future, to give you a future in hope." There are some people who object to us using this verse today and say, oh, "That's not talking about us. That's the Old Testament scripture. It's talking about the people of Israel, and Israel had had." Uh, disobeyed God. They'd gone into rebellion once again and they were, had been taken into captivity and they were going through some tough times. And this is when this word comes and basically saying, folks, no matter how bad the situation is right now, you understand God's still got a plan for you and he's going to bring you out of this situation and his plan is a good one. His plan is not to destroy you. His plan is a good one. Now, I mean, they were in They were not happy people, I think, when this word first came out to them, said, well, that doesn't look very good. But i got to know, no matter what things look like right now, God has a plan for you that's for good and not evil. His plan for you is is for peace and and, and not for worry and stress. His plan for you is good and not for disaster. He has a plan for you to have future and hope. That's His plan. Do I think it's applicable to us or can be Does today? Absolutely. You look at the context here and see what it's saying. But then when you move on over in New Testament, you realize particularly in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, you find that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law and, and now to His death on the cross. So, here's, 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 where I believe, here's where I believe that this Jeremiah passage moves over to be applied or can be applied in our life. And that is when you're in Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you can look to Him and believe this word is applicable to you. Now, we want your plans, Lord. And then when you fix your eyes with focus today, what do you you see? It's important for us to focus on the eternal and not just the temporary. It's so easy to get wrapped up on what's going on today, isn't it? Or what's your plans for your next meal or what you're going to do tomorrow. and, And you get tied up in this very temporal society. Let's face it. Most of us, we live in, 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 a, a, in this world. We're in the world, but not of it, Jesus says. But when we live in this world, we can begin to live in such a way that we're just tied to all the little events and things that are going on in our life every day. And it's just like from day to day to day. And, and life is all about what we're experiencing. Where we're taking the kids, what they're doing, getting to work. Uh, it's just life is wrapped up in the necessities and the activities of that day. And, and that's where we live, okay? That's all right. But the problem is we can get so in bondage and held to just this life to where we think, well, if I make enough money or if I'm able to do this with my family or if I accomplish this in this life, then, then that's going to bring fulfillment or that's going to be enough or whatever. And, and the scripture says you need to look at life from an eternal perspective, not just from a temporal or temporary when you begin to measure what's important to you, take into light what's important eternally more than what's important just that's temporary. Are you more interested in eternal things or just temporary things? Things are here and then gone. Our focus needs to be on what is eternal. Second Corinthians, the things that last. In other words, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen, the scripture says, "While we do not look at the things, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at things which are not seen." That sounds strange, doesn't it? That's that's seeing differently. That's seeing as a believer. We look at things that are not seen. That's, that's eyes of faith. That's looking into God's eternal perspective and purpose. He says, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I, I, want, I want to challenge you this morning. When you look at your life, your, your, your family, when you look at your plans and your goals, when you look at all of this, Ask the Lord to give you an eternal perspective on it so that you can see what's really important. So that you can discover what really is lasting. It will change. It will prioritize your life. It may change your value system in many different ways. But learn to do those things which have eternal significance, importance. And finally, last, you fix your eyes. What are you going to see? Gonna, we need to long. And I, and I just have the simple statement. is God wants us to focus on the harvest. There is a great harvest out there. And I'm not talking about the next crop on a farm. I'm talking about the harvest of people, souls. It's so easy. Even when you look at it from the perspective of, uh, of a church, even of a local church, even of this great church. It it is extremely easy and sometimes, although it's and sometimes very subtle, that the Lord bring us into into a place to where we enjoy wonderful worship, where we enjoy fellowship with one another and great friendships. Where far as I know we all get along pretty well. It's 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 a good place to be. It's good people to be with. It's great worship. Uh, the word is is preached and is taught, great things for the kids and all the other uh things that are going on here. It's all just wonderful. And and thank God for all of that. I praise God for every bit of that. But sometimes, sometimes we can, I I think that we can be kind of, uh, we can kind of drift into, uh, if we're not careful, we can drift drift into uh, just, how can I put this? We can we can drift into just being settled and satisfied, and even mediocre. And uh, it happens to all of us. If something it gets to be good enough, or remember the scripture warns Israel about said you need to you be aware of the fact there's great danger in you missing the Lord and moving in the wrong direction while you're experiencing prosperity and good things. He says, beware. He says, beware when you have much, you may forget God. Now, I know that's not what I'm talking about here, specifically as far as us as a church or as individuals, but I think the Lord wants to awaken us and do something new in us where we continue to enjoy all the wonderful things that are going on here and all the wonderful uh, benefits of being a part of this church and this family. Thank God for a bit of that. But if it's that great, then other people need to know about it too. If it's that really great, if knowing Jesus is really that wonderful and that important, if going to heaven rather than hell is really that important, folks need to know. And the scripture is quite clear. It's how are you going to know unless someone tells them? I'm just here to share and encourage you and challenge you and challenge myself. You are that someone, and I am that someone. And I believe God wants to create, not by our own little plans and work and everything, although we'll have things to do, but by God's favor and by the power of the Holy Spirit and by your your obedience, by our obedience, God wants to create a new culture in this church, which is a culture of the harvest a culture that focuses on others, a culture that focuses on the fact that we're not just here just for ourselves and just to be in church. We're here because we have an opportunity to connect people to the kingdom through Christ and to connect people to this church to help them grow. Don't you think? We all have people out there. We have opportunities during the week. Let's focus on the harvest, not just what's going on in our life not just status quo, but focus on the harvest. Jesus, Jesus put it this way in John chapter four, verse 35. He said, you know, he says, you know, the saying four months between planting and harvest. In other words, there's a, there's a, there's a period. The harvest is coming, you know, but he says, I say, wake up. Boy, this spoke to me in this particular version He says, You know, you say, Well, the harvest is going to be then, and the harvest is going to be then. But here's what I'm telling you. He says, Wake up and look around you right now. The fields are already ripe and ready for harvest. And he goes on and says, Pray that the Lord of the harvest, which is the Holy Spirit, will send laborers, which is you and me, into the fields. Yes? Lord, stir us up, stir this church up. God, to impact the people around us, the lost, those who have not received Christ, those who are hurting that need the healing that comes through him, those who need to experience the saving power of Jesus Christ and those who need to experience the very presence and power of God and those who need to experience this wonderful worship, those who need to experience God in their life. Lord, how will they hear? How will they see? Focus on the harvest. Uh, When it comes down to 2020 vision, vision should be great. It shouldn't be too small. Don't get your vision too small. I'll talk about this a little bit more next week. Your vision to come about, vision should be great because first of all, it should be from God. And your vision should be great because uh, vision should always not only be great, but vision requires faith. If you're going to accomplish, it must be by faith. It must be by faith and boldness and courage. Stand on God's word. Vision calls for specific actions. You don't just sit around and talk about it or make plans. You don't just sit around and, and think, well, maybe tomorrow you start initiating. And as you think about 2020, and we'll touch on this next week, as you think about 2020, as you think about the next several months, what a great practice it would be for you and I to sit down and write things down, write down the vision, write things down and see what specific action and changes need to take place in order to bring these things to pass. Sometimes we have got these wonderful dreams and things and vision that God has given us, but we are not willing to change or do anything about it. So, it requires specific action on our part. And when you see vision come to pass and see what God wants to do in your life, it will always involve persistence. You don't just start and quit. You see what the Lord wants to do in your life. You see what he's called you to do. And then you get into his word and then you stick to it and walk all the way through knowing that victory's yours.